now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union labels. As to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome back, everyone, to the second hour of the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Catalina filling in for Alan today, who's on assignment. And we are going to come right out of the box with our next guest. He is a senior national security fellow with the Center for Immigration Studies. Previously, he worked with the Texas Department of Public Safety's Intelligence and Counterterrorism Division. And before that, he was a journalist. His latest book is Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Todd Benzman joins us now on The Ellen Nathan Show. Hi, Todd. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you very much for having me. You know, it doesn't take a news junkie to see what is happening in immigration and on our southern border and the people that are pushing open borders. Um, what board, what, what problems do you see in helping people understand what a crisis this really is? Well, the first problem that comes to mind is that the American media has really fallen down on this job. And I say that from the perspective of somebody who was part of the media for 23 years. This is what I did for a living. Uh, you know, newspapers, the Dallas Morning News for 10 years, et cetera, my master's degree. Uh, this is a, a, a huge American story, a transformational event with millions and millions of people pouring over that border and joining the uh, American population permanently, and millions more coming. And uh, for probably partisan reasons, because of the era that we live in, uh, I believe that you know regular media have just not covered the story. And so, and if they, and to the extent that they do cover the story, they often cover it long and with huge omissions. And so the, the general public does not see what's really going on. I mean, not the whole public. And that's, the pro- that's a major problem in a democracy because people are not able to vote their issues uh, if they don't think that there is one. Yeah. And, and so with um, the time that we have, why don't we take it to dispel some of the rumors and give ammo, and I mean that figuratively, not literally, to the loads and loads and loads of people in the public who know there is something wrong when the federal government shirks one of its primary responsibilities to keep Americans safe and to keep our borders secure. Sure. Well, uh, you know, one of the purposes of the book, Overrun, is to fill that huge void in public knowledge and comprehension about what's actually happening down there and why. Uh, the Probably one of the greatest uh, mis, 
communications or mis- pieces of misinformation, uh, especially by um, the Democratic Party and its its uh, Biden uh, supporters, is that you know th- th- there's really nothing big happening down there. This is not it's not a thing. It's kind of like a seasonal. They, I heard uh, the Secretary of DHS call it yeah, just the other day uh, a border challenge. You know, they're using terms like ah, that. A border uh, challenge, okay. Border challenge, and, and they don't see the numbers. The, the numbers are beyond anything in the American experience. Uh, 250,000 people a month crossing that border for uh, Super Bowl stadium loads of people a month. Across huh. into the country, uh, four and a half million people so far, and, and another million or so uh, runners that that we didn't catch. Uh, so this is really, and they're letting them in. Uh, that's the other yeah. the other thing is that the, the they're saying we're turning them back, but they're actually letting the vast majority of them into the country permanently. Well, and and we continue to hear. Stories, news reports on conservative outlets, almost never on uh, uh, propaganda news outlets, legacy media, that the federal government on the taxpayer dollar are actually flying illegal, unvetted immigrants to places all around the country and uh, being used as political pawns in so-called red states, that is conservative states, and when DeSantis does it with like 50 people and sends them to Martha's Vineyard, they scream bloody murder. And within 24 hours, they're deported. <laughs> Talk about that. If right. You I mean, well, the Martha's Vineyard uh, example is a great one, only uh, to, in the sense that it, it, there was a spotlight shown on 50 immigrants somewhere. Uh, but the truth is, is that uh, tens of thousands of immigrants coming off the border have been going into Massachusetts for two years straight. They just didn't get any spotlight. And tens of thousands into New York and tens of thousands into Washington and tens of thousands through into every city in America. Uh, but there's no spotlight on it. Look what happened when there was a spotlight put on 50 in one town. I mean, so you can imagine if if just media was just showing the people, the American public, what is happening here, uh, yeah. that you know there would be a rebellion over this. I mean, it's just yeah. unbelievable. You you have to see it to believe it. And my book really just kind of, I mean, I wrote it to just fill that that tremendous void in public understanding of what's happening. Well, take something from your book and tell us what. I mean, give us an example of something from your book that even people who are deeply concerned about our porous borders might not know that they could use to talk to their friends and family to educate them as to what's going on. Sure. Well, one of the big false narratives about what's happening at the border is that all of these people that are crossing in are fleeing absolutely certain death in their home countries. They have no choice. Uh, we must let them in, and you know, if because we're, we're a humane country. But, but take the Haitians. Uh, almost every Haitian that has crossed that southern border has been living safely, prosperously, comfortably, and legally 
in Chile, in Brazil. Uh, none of them are coming from Haiti. Uh, the Venezuelans have been living for five, six, seven, and even eight years comfortably and prosperously in Colombia and Argentina and all these other countries. Uh, it's just simply not true that they are fleeing absolute certain death. And yet we buy into this narrative that they are, and so they just let them all in. It's just not true. And they're using our asylum system to do it, or humanitarian parole, these legally questionable um, processes that they're just creating. It's just none of it's true. It's mm-hmm. mass abuse. Todd, I'm confused about something that you mentioned. You make it hopefully clarify. I think I have a hunch, but uh, I want to let you explain. When people from countries who are going communist, like Venezuela, went communist very, very quickly, are we talking about people who fled communism and uh, they're living in uh, the places you mentioned and then coming here? Or are we talking about people who are quite amenable to communism and they're coming here. Uh, what, if you know, is going on there? I think, uh, you know, because I've spent so much time down there interviewing them. Uh, Cubans, uh, I can't even tell you how many Cubans I've interviewed, Nicaraguans and Venezuelans. And uh, you can say that they're fleeing communism, but what they're really fleeing are collapsed economies. They are economic migrants from a political uh system that collapsed those economies. So, um, you know, of course they're fleeing, uh, you know, terrible situations. Where they get undermined in their coming to the United States is that they're crossing 10 different other countries to get here, which means that they're not that desperate. They're picking uh, the best place to come, not the safest place. And furthermore, if I can just mention one other example is are the Ukrainians. Uh, the, the Ukrainians, I mean, we've had 100,000 show up at the border and be ushered right in. Uh, but the Ukraine, every Ukrainian has asylum guaranteed in 27 European countries. They huh, don't need to but come they're to coming the United here. States. They're safe. Wow. They're coming from Europe. Uh, you hear that music. Can you stick with us, Todd Bensman? And we will continue sure. this very important subject. We're talking to Todd Benzman, Senior National Security Fellow with the Center for Immigration Studies. Stay tuned. We'll have more from Todd after this quick break. According to the new State of Security Preparedness 2023 study released by Avanti, approximately half of respondents said they are very prepared to meet the growing threat landscape, but expected safeguards are ignored a third of the time. And leaders are actually four times more likely to be victims of phishing compared to office workers. Avanti CEO, Jeff Abbott. Avanti surveyed 6,500 executive leaders, cybersecurity professionals, and office workers globally to understand the perception of today's cybersecurity threats and to find out how companies are preparing for next-generation cyber terror threats. The overwhelming majority of security professionals and leaders, 97%, told us their organizations are as prepared or more prepared today than one year ago. However, the threat of the unknown is as real as ever. In fact, only one in five of those same cybersecurity professionals would wager a chocolate bar on the state of their readiness. To learn more, visit Ivanti.com slash cybersecurity report. 
It has been over 30 years since Hurricane Andrew devastated South Florida. That storm marked the beginning of the Home Depot being a hub for help during disasters, a tradition that continues today. To commemorate those efforts, the company is releasing a new film called Hope Bills. Briar Waterman, Senior Director, Creative Design of the Home Depot. Drawing from interviews and using archive footage, we trace the origin, growth, and sophistication of the Home Depot's disaster relief efforts, demonstrating it is deeply connected to the values of the company and our unwavering support to our communities during their times of need. Whether it be a veteran in need or a community devastated by a natural disaster, Home Depot associates go beyond the job, beyond the nine to five, to make sure that their neighbors and communities are taken care of. This documentary is a prime example. To learn more about the film or for help creating your emergency supply kit, visit your local Home Depot or thehomedepot.com slash hopebills. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, Visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Catalina, and we're talking to Todd Bensman, author of a book that just came out this week, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Uh, thank you once again for joining us, Todd. We so appreciate your time. Thank you. Congratulations on putting this book out, and it just came out. Uh, And there are a host of very distinguished people uh, extolling the virtues. One, I really like John Daniel Davidson, senior editor at The Federalist. Todd Bensman is, I usually don't read 
you know, uh, 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 kudos, but this is a great one. It's one of the only journalists in America who's been willing to spend significant time on both sides of the border, chronicle and analyze ev- events at, with an unflinching eye and tell the truth about what's happening. His reportage on the historic and ongoing border crisis is essential right now, not just because so few media outlets will cover it, but because if the American people aren't told the truth, we won't be able to stop it. That is, uh, you know, praiseworthy and uh, great words. Uh, so the left seems absolutely committed and the Biden administration to open borders, despite the fact that uh, that is one of the primary jobs of the federal government is to keep Americans who are already living here of all colors and creeds safe in our country and to secure our borders. And in order to uh, keep the borders going, they are committed to calling anyone who says that this is an untenable situation, they call them racist for even daring to say that borders are important. Talk about that if you would, because there's a retaliation (laughs) machine that has changed the minds of a lot of people, and they're afraid to speak out. Sure. Well, for for one thing, um, yeah, I think before the break, I was talking about the Ukrainians who are white Christians, uh, and you know, I came out with a uh, a column uh, complaining that so many of them were coming to our southern border, which was already in total chaos, and creating more chaos when they had asylum in 27 of the best countries in the world, the richest, most generous countries in the world in the European Union. Uh, So, I mean, you know, you can, uh, it's easy to, you know, put the label racist uh, on somebody who is just interested in controlling the borders, but Democrats for, and I mean, mainstream democratic uh, party coalition Groups and people and segments have always been for border security. Joe Biden has long been for border security. Uh, they used to call Barack Obama the deporter in chief, and he would be asked why why won't why won't you end deportation? And he would say it's the law. I have to pass. Oh. I have to. I'm not a king. Bill Clinton uh, <laughs> is the one who wow. who criminalized uh, illegal entry over the border. I mean, what's mm. happening now? is that a really far-left fringe of the coalition gained power. They ascended to power with this administration, and they were, they were given the immigration portfolio, and they believe in open borders. And there are quotes even from Barack Obama and Clinton as recently as, you know, a few months ago, saying, you know, we can't sustain this. This is wrong. Uh, this is just not what countries do. It's a violation of our sovereignty. Uh, Bill Clinton saying that. With all respect, <laughs> who, I mean, and this is just, you know, opinion here, but who actually believes that the people who were uh, for secure borders were telling the truth? Uh, the left, which controls the Democrat Party, has been for open borders all along. There were hordes and hordes of people coming across the southern border uh, under almost every Democrat president, and they could pay lip service to open border, I mean, to border security, but they never 
followed through. And you know what? It wasn't just Democrats. There's a ton of Republicans who paid the same lip service. And we've watched this for years. It's the same thing they promised. Remember when they promised, this just as an example, they promised that they all wanted us to be energy independent, but never lifted a finger. Donald Trump didn't even make that one of his campaign promises. And in less than four years, he made us energy independent. So it could have been done. That's why they hate him, because he did it in very short order. And he defied the uh, stereotype that you can't get anything done in Washington. You only can't get anything done in Washington when you don't want to do it. Uh, your thoughts? Well, you make some great points there. You're right. There, There is some lip service on both sides. Uh, there's an addiction to uh, cheap slave labor, basically, uh, and lots of it, and to uh, that addition to consumer markets, as small as, as it is, it's, a, it's an addition. Uh, but I will point out that, that this is – I mean, while maybe other Democratic uh, presidents and administrations have paid lip service, this is the first one that doesn't even bother with that. They come straight yeah. out and officially declare – that they will not, they will not follow immigration enforcement law, and they're unapologetic about it. Their policy, for the first time ever, for an executive branch, is for what they call safe, orderly, and humane immigration over the border and legal along new legal pathways. And that's what they're doing. And this is really unprecedented. They're they're essentially reducing the immigration, the INA, Immigration and Naturalization Act, to something like the federal marijuana law, which everybody just ignores. And we all sort of like uh-huh. kind of wink about it. Uh, but this is a first time for that. And if it goes on for much longer, the INA will become a federal marijuana law. Yes, we talked, and we're talking to Todd Bensman. We're just wrapping up. We have only a couple of minutes. We talked about what the uh, Republicans want. People have said, and they've surmised, that they want cheap labor. But what do the Democrats want? Because George Soros and others have supported open borders for years, and that includes Obama and Clinton and all the people that profess to be moderates. They ain't so moderate. What is it that they want to use illegal immigration to justify and to affect what's really going on here. That's the why. Well, I have, I have a uh, lengthy chapter in the book called the new theologians chapter four, which into great detail and reporting about uh, who these people are that have seized our immigration policy and what their ideology is. And, it just really shortly, because it's a long, it's a really long involved yeah. uh, piece and of And we have like 30 but, seconds. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I'll be quick. <laughs> yeah, Barry. Um, is that, A, there's a granif- there's just a gratification in uh, these people seeing open borders actually uh, put implemented, uh, because they've always been sidelined. I mean, to this extent that they're doing has been sidelined. Yeah. And they are making hundreds of millions of dollars in gov- government contracts off of this thing. Gosh, it is uh, such a huge issue. Involved. We're going to have to leave it there. And to not to mention the child sex trafficking that is now being overrun. How Joe Biden unleashed the greatest border crisis in U.S. history just came out this week. Grab that book. 
Thank you, Todd Benzman, for joining us and giving us so much of your time. We appreciate it. We'll be right back with another guest on The Ellen Nathan Show right after this. Don't go away. make sure that we don't overfeed our animals because feeding our animals more is not love you know there's so many other ways you can show love like throwing a ball and walking them and give them a little extra love the annual end obesity campaign by hills is wonderful for a guy like me and dr hodges who are practicing veterinarians because it's obesity like you said is one of those um, illnesses or conditions that we see most in the veterinary hospital. And it can be very difficult sometimes talking to clients about, you know, their patient being obese, you know. But Heels with their campaign have given us the tool to be able to get this message across. And it's something that they do annually. They've invested a lot of time, a lot of money into the research, into the pet food that we can use to help these animals that are obese. So you can go to inpetobesity.com and you can learn a whole lot more about how you can actually use the love test as well as learn more about Hills Pet Nutrition and ways to control your pet's weight. Hi there, it's Joe Montana. Life after football has been full of taking my shot at new things. Now I'm working with Pfizer to tell you about pneumococcal pneumonia. Pneumococcal pneumonia should be the last thing standing in your way. Pneumococcal pneumonia is a potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can strike any time of year. It can disrupt your life for weeks, and in severe cases, it can put you in the hospital and even be life-threatening. And Joe knows that vaccination is one of the best ways to help protect himself from pneumococcal pneumonia. If you're 65 or older or 19 or older with certain underlying medical conditions like asthma, COPD, chronic heart disease, or diabetes, Talk to your doctor or pharmacist about the risk of pneumococcal pneumonia and whether vaccination is right for you. Understand your risk at KnowPneumonia.com. That's K-N-O-W pneumonia.com. This is your shot. This message is brought to you by Pfizer. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly, everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? 
Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline filling in for Alan today. And, well, we've covered so many issues today, uh, but we are not going out of our way to avoid a screamingly huge issue. It's overwhelming, it's huge, and it's disturbing. And that is not only the Ohio chemical spill, but growing numbers of train derailments. It seems like every week you hear about every every few days, we're hearing about more and more of them. What is going on? And can our next guest enlighten us? We hope so. Here to join us is Dr. Bonner Cohen, Senior Fellow at the National Center for the Public Policy for Public Policy Research, Senior Policy Advisor with the Heartland Institute. His articles have appeared in outlets such as Forbes and the Wall Street Journal. He's been interviewed on stations such as Fox News, CNN, and the BBC. Dr. Bonner Cohen, thank you so much for joining us here on the Alan Nathan Show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Oh, my goodness. What a great voice. <laughs> I love that voice. I'll just sit back and let you talk so I can hear that beautiful voice. Dr. Cohen, this is a, a profoundly serious issue, disturbing to many, disturbing also because the Biden administration seems to be more interested in making surprise visits to Ukraine than to protecting and caring for Americans here in this country. What say you about the Ohio chemical spill? And then we'll kind of branch out from there. Well, I think the uh, first thing that pops to mind is uh, the slow reaction of the federal government uh, directed by the Biden administration to the train derailment in uh, East Palestine, Ohio, reflects in some way a kind of contempt that the ruling class has for people in flyover country. This is a demographic, uh, blue-collar, hard-working people in a rural area that's really of no great interest to uh, the people who run the country. And unfortunately, those people who found themselves suddenly in the path of a train derailment are going to be dealing with its consequences for a long time to come. I caution against accepting 
uh, the initial findings of the U.S. EPA uh, that the air and water in East Palestine are uh, safe. Uh, I would remind people that in the few days after the 9-11 attacks in 2001, George W. Bush's uh, Environmental Protection Agency Administrator, uh, uh, Christy Todd Whitman, assured the country and assured people uh, in the proximity of the fallen Twin Towers that everything was fine, that the air was safe to breathe. Well, it turns out it was not. And untold numbers of people died as a result of lung disease that were directly traceable to the poor quality of the air uh, in Manhattan. And I fear that we may be headed down the same road here. On the one hand, we have people saying, uh, based on preliminary tests, many of them from handheld devices, uh, that the air and water in East uh, uh, Palestine are safe. On the other hand, uh, people complain about the terrible odors that are there. They have headaches. Uh, they have other ailments. Uh, you can see in the streams that the water is filthy. Over 3,500 fish are reported to have died, mm. along with livestock. Now, these animals and fish and what have you, they're dying for a reason. They're, they're not dying because the environment around them is clean and is safe. What is so disturbing and frightening is the selective concern of certain people in our government. The, the left and the liberals and the progressives and all those folks have preened over environmentalism for years. We care more about the environment than anybody. That's why we're going to shut your freedom down. But when something this tragic happens to a community, where are they? Um, yeah, I, I, these, yeah. are, these are the same people who, as you correctly said, are perfectly willing to shut down our freedoms, uh, limit our choices in the names of combating the purely hypothetical uh, threat posed by human-caused climate change, while co when confronted with a real environmental disaster resulting from an accident that should not have happened, uh, guess what? They're absent. Uh, or they come out with premature declarations of victory, nothing to worry about here, the air is fine, the water is fine. And, it, it, and have you also noticed the complete absence of any real environmental activist who've got, who've from, from uh, the poor town in eastern Ohio? Where's the Sierra Club? Where's the Natural Resources Defense Council? Where are all of these people? Uh, fabulously funded, by the way. And they really don't care about these poor people who have had their lives disrupted, uh, the values of their homes destroyed. Who's going to buy a home in this town now or any time in the foreseeable future? So I, I, I do think that this has shown a real revealing light uh, a lot of people who love to virtue signal and love to tell us how much they care about the planet, but it turns out they don't really care about the real people who live on the planet. They care about, uh, well, there was an old phrase years ago called watermelon. They were green on the outside, but red on the inside. If it supports communism and tyranny and socialism and government control, then they're environmentalists, right? Uh, uh, that's look, exactly right. We can throw in yeah. another color, yellow. Uh, they're afraid to show up. 
Uh, it's uh, terrifying. Uh, 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 Transportation yeah. Secretary Buttigieg has, has announced he's finally, over yeah. three weeks after uh, the accident took place, he's finally going to put in an appearance uh, in the small Ohio town tomorrow. Well, that's too little too late. The man uh, demonstrably yeah. knows nothing about transportation whatsoever. Uh, his attitude toward the ordinary people who were stuck in the middle of this mess uh, is absolutely appalling, but it's, it's exactly what one would expect. How much uh, does this impact the rest of us, not only the people of East Palestine, Ohio, but what about it affecting everybody that lives nowhere near it, either the economy or the, the breadbasket? Uh, we have seen evidence that there are certain forces in this country that want to shut down food production, that are sabotaging things. That's what we really have Uh, to talk about. Yeah. Look around uh, you, and you will notice just in the past several months, uh, a number of attacks on power stations around the country, most notably in North Carolina just a few weeks ago. Now, we still don't know who did this or why, but we should bear in mind that eco-terrorism is something we have had to deal with before and will no doubt have to deal with again. There is an element uh, in this country, and it's not just here. You, you can see it particularly in Europe, too, uh, that wants to shut down modern society completely. It views the Industrial Revolution as something that should never have happened. They want to return the entire world to subsistence farming. And as a result, they feel that the only thing that they can do to restore a world that in many respects never was uh, is to tear down what we have. Well, and these train derailments are happening more and more. Uh, I heard uh, there was a report that, let me just read you this headline that just came out today. Bombshell. Man finds undetonated blasting cap on property 1.4 miles from Norfolk Southern's controlled toxic chemical release. Talk about that. Yes. Uh, This is the kind of thing that I'm afraid we're going to have to put up with because in life there's something called a copycat effect. And once someone, uh, in this case, in East uh, Palestine, Ohio, that appears to have been an accident, was not uh, caused uh, by by, uh, an an act of violence. But uh, there are people who are attracted to things like this, like to exploit them for their own uh, uses, and I'm afraid we're going to have to uh, be prepared to see more of these things in time to come. In, in an average year, we suffer, ready, 1,800 train derailments in the United really? States. That's an astronomical figure. Now, most of them are relatively benign. The train will run off a track. Uh, there, there is no disastrous spill, such as what we're experiencing now in Ohio. But that does tell you uh, about the effectiveness of all the billions and billions and billions of dollars that are being poured into what we are told is infrastructure. A lot of times the money that we're putting into infrastructure is for bike lanes, bike paths, and things like that. Whereas what's really important, our transportation infrastructure, things like that, where's the money and where's the effect? 
Dr. Bonner Cohen. Can you stick with us for one more segment? Uh, yes, gladly. We would be delighted to have you. We'll wrap up the show with Dr. Bonner Cohen talking about this very important issue. Uh, Karen Cataline filling in for Alan Nathan here on the Main Street Radio Network. Stay tuned. Sponsored by IBM. IBM is transforming how it engages with business partners through the launch of IBM Partner Plus, a single integrated program to help deepen partners' technical expertise, accelerate time to market, and win with clients. New and existing partners will experience a transparent, simple, and modern program anchored around three pillars, competitive incentives, insider access, and enhanced support and benefits. Partners can grow skills, develop solutions, and build sales expertise using IBM technology. Kate Woolley, General Manager, IBM Ecosystem. We are introducing IBM Partner Plus, a new program built hand-in-hand with our partners to help them gain skills, grow faster, and earn more. By offering access to the same education, programs, and hands-on training that IBMers get, we are better equipping partners to bring the power of AI and hybrid cloud to our clients. For more information, visit ibm.com slash partner plus. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year, remember there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat. 
or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. For our final segment, we are completing and continuing our conversation with Dr. Bonner Cohen, Senior Fellow at the National Center for Public Policy Research. He's a Senior Policy Advisor with the Heartland Institute, and uh, he is a prolific writer uh, and has done interviews with Fox News, CNN, BBC, and we've got him right now. Thanks for staying with us. Dr. Cohen, we appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to stay with you. <laughs> Especially that that low, velvety voice that you have. <laughs> and no, I'm not flirting. I just appreciate a great voice when I hear I, I one. I have nothing against flirting, no. <laughs> okay. I'll tell my husband you said that. <laughs> um, and yeah, anyway, you, you talked about the copycat kind of, event, uh, that there are copycat events from environmentalist groups and that kind of thing. But let's, let's, let's say this. Doesn't it implicate our government if they are tacitly, brazenly ignoring this incident and trying to make it go away, and that the president of, of the United States cares more about going to Ukraine than he does to help people in an environmental crisis that the left is supposed to care so much about, doesn't make you wonder because it's all in line with what they want, which is to uh, shut down yes, personal automobiles, et cetera, et cetera. Go for it. Tell uh, us why. Y- y- yes, it is. Uh, we shouldn't have any illusions about the ultimate agenda of those who are currently ruling over us. Uh, we are currently being put through what they tell us is uh, an energy transition undertaken uh, in the name of combating climate change. And part of that is to get control of energy because the administration and its supporters, as as, as well as the environmental movement, have recognized that if you control energy, you also control the people who need and use energy. 
So in the name of combating climate change, you can impose rules and regulations uh, that put more power into your hands and more money into the pockets of well-connected purveyors of so-called green energy and green products. Uh, we should recognize this for the scam that it is, but it's a scam that's going to have tremendous consequences for all of us. We're going to find ourselves paying more and more for energy, which is going to diminish the disposable income of every family in the United States. And those who are going to pay most dearly for that are those with middle and lower incomes. And I think you'll find that the ruling class doesn't really care about them, which simply underscores what we're seeing in East Palestine, Ohio. We are being told that we're going to uh, have... Yeah, millions and millions of EVs, electric vehicles, on the highways in a few years. The environmental consequences of that will be absolutely horrendous. Yes, we know that EVs themselves don't emit anything into the air when they're on the highways, but those EVs have to be created. And the raw materials that go into the batteries that power EVs uh, have to be extracted through mining, and this is not safe mining as we generally see in the United States and in other industrialized parts of the world. A lot of it's in Central Africa using child labor, uh, where there is a complete absence of environmental and public health standards. One really has to ask oneself, uh, when you see all these virtue-signaling people who are driving EVs, what is the morality of driving an EV if you know that the components of that uh, EV came from child labor and came from, from policies and practices uh, that are going to spread pollution worldwide? Furthermore, where in the world uh, is the charging uh, network that's going to be necessary to power all of these EVs? Well, we're told that thanks to taxpayer funds, tens of thousands of these things are going to be ready by a date certain. Don't count on it. There will be huge fights over this. Why? Uh, because... When you put up a, a network of charging stations around the country, you're going to have to have uh, high-density, uh, uh, high-volume uh, power lines uh, that, and high-voltage power lines that are going to have to go to each and every one of these things. That's going to bring on one lawsuit after the other. The opposite of what they say they want. running through them through playgrounds yes. and what have you. Oh, and but so they this want this is going that. to be a huge mess. Yeah. To say nothing, Dr. Cohen, my husband is in transportation. To say nothing of when, when we saw hurricanes uh, uh, for, foraging through Florida, people with electrical vehicles, some of them melted down. Because what do we know about water and electricity? They create fires. Uh EVs are expensive, they're inefficient. Think about, and, and we do, about a giant uh, a blizzard when you're stuck on the road and then you freeze to death because you've run out of electricity and your heater doesn't work. Um, it, it seems as if, we got to cut to the chase here because we only have a couple of minutes and I'm going on, uh, that the, the idea is to create EVs. Some people have charged this so that nobody, 
will really want or be able to afford an electric vehicle, and they'll be forced into living into these 15-minute cities where they're dependent on the government completely. Isn't that the uh, real bottom line? policies in place uh, that are uh, encouraging, to use a polite term, automobile manufacturers to discontinue production Forcing. of gas-powered Forcing. vehicles. They will no That's longer right. be available, but uh, most people will not be ava- uh, able to afford an EV. Correct. So what you do is you create a tremendous automobile shortage. If your agenda is to get people out of automobiles and onto the local right. bus, well, that's fine. But what right. if you need your automobile to, to, to get to work and back, uh, to go by, uh, to go to the doctor, or to uh, to buy food for your family, or what have you? Well, and they've already expressed great contempt, not only for all Americans, but for people in rural areas who prefer to live away from the big cities. So there you have it. There are reasons and purposes for all of this. Dr. Bonner-Cohen, what's your final word, and how can we find you and follow you? My final word is pay attention, yeah. folks, because the people who run the country are not friends of yours. And you can, okay. uh, uh, and you can uh, check us out at our website, which is nationalcenter.org. Well, thank you again for that beautiful voice and for all the time that you gave us uh, uh, looking at this. Thank you. We appreciate it. That does it for this edition of The Alan Nathan Show. I'm Karen Cataline. Keep listening and standing up for what you believe to be the truth. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.